forget the progression we have had in life and our inner critic remembers us as an insecure 12 year old and it doesn't like us to forget that. So even when we've really earned the right for maybe a new job or a, a situation we are excited and feel nervous about, that's when our inner critic tells us, oh, we're not very good. We shouldn't be here. There's a feeling of you're going to be found out. Other people are more deserving of this situation than you are. You're listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Howard. Calling into our show today, we have Poppy Jamie. Ms. Jamie is the author of Happy Not Perfect and the host of the Not Perfect podcast. She has been featured in the New York Times, Wired, Vogue, Bustle, and NBC News, just to name a few. Ms. Jamie, welcome to the show. Hi, Gabe. How are you? Oh, I am doing great, and I'm so excited to have you here. Now, the topic of today's podcast is how to be happy with yourself, even if you aren't perfect. Basically, don't sweat the small stuff. Easier said than done, especially in today's fast-paced and social media-driven world. The small stuff gains the most traction. A little while back, the news cycle was dominated by the First Lady and the Duchess of Cambridge, wearing the exact same shoes to their first meeting. I mean, what nonsense. How do we put aside this constant nagging desire to be perfect? Well, that's a great question. And I think there are so many answers, answers that are very individual to the person because we have pretty much forever been conditioned to aspire to this illusion of perfect, this idea that we can reach a state in life where there are no problems. And of course, that doesn't tend to exist or it's a fleeting moment and then we feel deeply imperfect again. A way to start with would be to remember that perfect doesn't exist. This idea that life can become this problem-free, always extremely happy, everything going smoothly place is an illusion and something that we probably might only see in Disney films. But actually accepting that life is always an up and down adventure and one that really is beautiful because of its imperfection, it's easier said than done. Because of course, at the heart of all of us, we crave that feeling of perfection. One of the things that you talk about a lot is silencing or calming your inner critic. Now, I imagine that is easier said than done. What strategies do you use to accomplish that lofty goal? Most of us have a very, very loud inner critic. And our inner critic, it's so devilish because, of course, it knows our worst fears, our inner secrets. It can tell us the most triggering things about ourselves. For me, my inner critic was the loudest voice I heard. It constantly told me how useless I should be better. It would pick up on all my mistakes. It would fill me with shame and regret and embarrassment if I felt like I hadn't done a good job in some aspect of my life. The power of pause was initially the most amazing thing. 
in disarming that voice. Because our world tells us to be busier and busier and busier. And when we're so busy, we don't have time to question with curiosity what this voice is actually saying and if this voice is actually true. I was so hectic saying yes to everything, being a bit of a people pleaser. And so the moment when I learned the power of pause to actually stop in the middle of this voice telling me whatever negative thing or critical thing it's trying to taunt me with, pause to ask the question, is this true? Is this true what I'm being told? For example, I would be on a podcast, I'd be talking to you and I'd have a voice in my head saying like, oh my God, the audience hates you. You could have answered that question better. They probably think you're useless. I would have had imposter syndrome. You're not good enough for this podcast. And I would be so anxious while I was doing my job. But the power of pause and the power of curiosity instead goes, well, how do you know the audience hates you? You can't look into the audience minds. And how do you know that you're not good enough for this podcast? Is this true? How does this thought make you feel? Well, doesn't make me feel very good. It makes me lose my confidence. It makes me have really low self-esteem. And um, who would I be without this thought? Well, I'd be happy. I'd be my best self. I'd be just doing my best, which is the only thing that any of us can do. Now, I understand that you suffered serious bouts of anxiety and imposter syndrome. Yes. I mean, imposter syndrome is such a weird thing because it comes from a very, very loud inner critic telling you that you're not good enough and you should be better and why enough would somebody hire you or your ability gets you somewhere and then your inner critic tells you that you are undeserving of where you've got to and again pulls you apart makes you focus on your weaknesses far more than your strengths and is a precursor to anxiety, to feeling very fearful that you're going to be found out or you're lying or you're doing something immoral by just being you. It's just such a destructive experience to be in and so many people experience it. I mean, I I had it for years. I was a TV host before I started working on the mental health app I built and then writing the book. And every time I was on television, I would be interviewing someone in front of millions and my inner critic would be like, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. You shouldn't be here. Why did they give you the job? And it's a really uncomfortable state to be in long term. And look, everybody gets it now and again. And in small bits, maybe it can be a good thing. Maybe it can encourage you to see where you could improve or, you know, in, in small bits, it's no bad thing. But when it becomes actually the majority of your thoughts, that's when actually it becomes quite debilitating and actually prevents you from growing and it prevents you from you being your best self. You mentioned workaholism and burnout very, very strongly in your book. What was that like for you? So workaholism is such a strange thing because even this idea of being addicted to work feels a bit weird and really like is that even possible and for me from a young age work became an escape from my problems Mandy Seligman an amazing psychologist and speaker I remember reading her definition of addiction which is any behavior we 
partake in that is outside of ourselves used to heal an internal wound is often an addiction. I used work as a way to make me feel better inside. But the problem with that is when we put our self-esteem or our happiness or our self-worth and anything outside of ourselves, we become vulnerable to it being taken away. So if work wasn't going well, that meant I was useless. That was total evidence for my inadequacy. But when work went well, I felt a bit good. Every time I felt insecure or not good enough, I would just think to myself, just work harder, just work harder, just put another hour in. And when your work goes well, you won't feel like this anymore. So I became more and more addicted to working harder to make my feeling of not being good enough, like make it go away. But obviously, no addiction, nothing outside of ourselves can fix an internal wound. And that was a very hard lesson I had to learn. And then that really was the precursor to burnout because every time I felt insecure, I wasn't really addressing why I felt insecure. I wasn't really addressing the fundamental principles of developing this sense of self-acceptance. Instead, I would use external things to try to make me feel differently. And after a while of trying to work harder and harder to make myself feel better, my body just completely collapsed. I had no energy left to work any harder than I was and that's when I really had a cold shower reality check I really had to look at what I was doing in life as a safety mechanism that really wasn't a safety mechanism it was destructive and toxic there are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com. Gabe Howard here to tell you about the Inside Bipolar podcast from Healthline Media. He does the show with me. Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist. That's right. A guy living with bipolar and a psychiatrist team up to discuss living well with bipolar disorder. Listen now on your favorite podcast player or visit psychcentral.com IBP to learn more. Subscribe now so you don't miss out. Hey everyone, my name is Rachel Star Withers and I live with schizophrenia. I'm also the host of Inside Schizophrenia, a podcast that dives deep into all things schizophrenia, featuring personal experiences and experts to help you better understand and navigate schizophrenia. Inside Schizophrenia is a Psych Central and Healthline Media podcast and we're available right now on your favorite podcast player. Check us out. And we're back with Poppy Jamie, the author of Happy Not Perfect. Let's talk about strategies to overcome these feelings. What strategies did you personally use to overcome them? And it really comes down to the four C's. So first of all, connecting. The first step, connection. Connecting to actually what was going on inside rather than ignoring it. And that is 
one of the most powerful steps that we can all do. The ancient Greeks said their famous quote, know thyself. And self-awareness, actually understanding what is going on inside to actually acknowledge, embrace, recognize, face up to how you are feeling. That was the first thing is just to get very honest with myself, connect to how I was feeling inside. And a part of the connection was to really think about, well, what sort of connection was I having with myself? I started to recognize my anxiety would go up when I was very sedentary. So when I was stuck at my desk in front of my laptop for 12 hours a day, I would pretty much every single time feel very anxious afterwards. I began to explore, well, how could I connect with myself in a different way? How would I feel after a 20-minute walk? How would I feel after a three-minute dance party? That was a critical tool. Changing the way my relationship with my mind was actually through my physical body, changing my physical energy. Using and changing my connection with my body was the best way to do it. So 10 star jumps, five-minute run, or even just six belly breaths. Often we talk about mental health totally separately from physical health. And physical health practitioners talk about mental health totally separately from the body. Uh, Actually, to feel better, I had to reconnect the body and the mind and realize that I wasn't looking after my basic, basic health. Like if I wasn't sleeping, if I wasn't eating nutritious meals, if I wasn't nurturing my need to have touch, like stroking my dog or hugging friends, then I wasn't meeting my basic human needs. Um, And if I wasn't exercising and moving my body, then I couldn't expect to feel good because that is a vital part of us just nourishing our basic health. Good mental health starts with good basic health, physical health. And that was a big part of the connection step. And some other tools, we spoke about curiosity earlier, which was a huge tool for step two. Step three is about the choice to be kind to ourselves. Often in life, we don't always have the choice to be happy because we've been a huge challenge and happiness feels like an emotion we can't quite get to. And that's totally okay. Every emotion is really valid. But the one thing we always do have a choice over is being kind to ourselves. How do we treat ourselves like a friend? How do we say things like, well, what would I advise a friend experiencing what I am now? On the whole, we are so much kinder to our friends than we are to ourselves. This was a big tool in helping me recover from anxiety, burnout, perfectionism, and all the other things that I went through in quite a significant and destructive way. I had totally forgotten to be kind to myself at all. Bringing back kindness to the conversation was so important in allowing myself to heal Uh, when we have more compassion to ourselves, I think we have more compassion for life in general. Less things annoy us. We don't feel the need to be right the whole time because we're okay. We're happier with ourselves in general. And step four is about commitment. How do we commit to knowing that whatever we are going through in life, it's an opportunity for us to learn and commit to action aligned with our values of who we want to be, not just 
aligned with where we've come from. And all of us are a product of our past. Whatever we have gone through has led us to be the person we are today. But what I think is so amazing about commitment to action and committing to being present is our ability to change our life is really here in the present. That's the power we have to change because we can choose to react to life in a different way. And suddenly our reality looks to be very different. I I still have to ask, Ms. Jamie, what does it mean to be happy but not perfect? Because even as I sit here, I think, well, I'd be happy if I were perfect. (laughs) Oh my gosh, did I not think that? That was my belief for very, very many years. Well, when I'm perfect, I'll be happy. The thing is, we often never reach perfection because we always think we could do a little bit better. We can just do a little bit better. And that's the sad thing about humans is that as soon as we reach a goal, we suddenly go, oh, well, I can reach another goal now. And we spend our lifetime just running after the next goal and never really truly appreciating what we have and being happy and always finding fault with ourselves. But anyone who's self-critical will fully understand the pain it is in realizing that we're all very unperfect. So happy not perfect is about accepting that happiness is not perfect. You know, if we accept that happiness is, is flawed, then we can be happy so much more because it means we're not waiting to have something or be something for us to feel really good feelings about ourselves. So Happy Not Perfect is a great way for us to really self-appreciate, to appreciate where we've been to get to this point, what we've gone through. And I know every single person listening will have gone through their own unique set of challenges. But appreciating that has given me so much more happiness and actually developed that feeling of being a bit proud of ourselves for getting through everything we have. So yes, Happy Not Perfect is appreciating the people we are today. Ms. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners on how to live our best life and be happy and not perfect? I think two questions. I would say the one question, how would I advise a friend experiencing what I am now? That is such a powerful question because it actually helps you tap into the wise part of your brain and not be reacting with just the emotional part of your brain. When we are thinking about ourselves, we're usually lost in the emotional side of the brain. And that's often when we then kind of hike up our feelings of anxiety and whatever else. And second of all, commit to asking, why is this happening for me rather than why is this happening to me? I think when things happen in life, it's so easy for us to immediately become our own victim. And I certainly do. And ask questions like, oh, why does this always happen? But actually, when we realize that every obstacle is there to grow and evolve us, make us even stronger, and it's actually trying to maybe put us on a more aligned path, I think living with optimism, why is this happening for me? And really, truly accepting that the world we live in is a compassionate world. It always does want the best for us. And it may not seem it at the time, but there's a lot of illusion going around. But trusting that things are working out has been a really wonderful way to live life and has definitely helped me. Where can people find out more about you and get your book? 
Um, thank you so much for having me on the show. People can find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram or online, poppyjamie.com. And you can find Happy Not Perfect, the book, out on every bookstore, really, wherever you buy your books. And I really, really hope it resonates with your listeners. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I'm sure that it will. Uh, my my listeners love stuff like this. And of course, even myself, I'm like, well, the show's not perfect. It's like, well, it sounded really good and everybody loved it. And, you know, all these people listen to it. I know, but there was this blip that if, if you turn up the volume all the way and you listen really hard, it's there. It's like, <laughs> you're, you're kidding, Gabe. What what more do you want to be happy? But that's that's how I feel. I, I can't help it. Oh, I know. Gosh, I know. I know. It's it's something that never really leaves us, only slightly managed better. Very true. Very true. Again, thank you so very much for being here. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Gabe. You're welcome. And a huge thank you to all of our listeners as well. My name is Gabe Howard, and I'm the author of Mental Illness is an Asshole and Other Observations, as well as a nationally recognized public speaker who would love to be at your next event. You can grab a signed copy of my book with free swag or learn more about me over at GabeHoward.com. Wherever you downloaded this podcast, please follow or subscribe. It's absolutely free because you don't want to miss a thing. I will see everybody next Thursday on Inside Mental Health. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.